You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. Let's listen as we hear God's word. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is God's word. Let's pray. Oh God, we we give you everything that we are thinking, planning, worrying about. All the distractions, God, I pray that you would take them and you would... Ease our minds, our hearts, bring peace right now so that we might hear you. We are grateful that you've brought us together, and we pray now, God, that your word would dwell in us richly so that we might honor you, serve you, and love each other better. God, I pray that my words would be clear free of error, and I pray that we all would be able to lean in and hear what you have to say today. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you could say in one word to answer this question, what do I want more of in life? You can keep it where you are. You can think through this, and I posted this question on, on uh, social media yesterday, and um, I do that from time to time, just start helping us think and engage about some stuff that we're going to talk about on Sundays, and um, if some of you did participate, some people that don't go here participated, and it is interesting to hear the answers, and you'll notice at times I ask similar questions just in different ways, because I think it, it pushes us to think through life. Like, okay, what do I want more of in life? We all have these answers. We all have these questions about what, what does this mean for me? And it is interesting to scroll through answers and, and hear from people and saying, wow, okay, you know, this is, we're not alone in the things that we want more of. I came across an article, uh, this was a while ago, um, but it's still, it's still out there. Uh, it, it was from the original article, it was in the Huffington Post, but it has been recasted in several different areas. And, and the author asked this question, what do I want more of in life? Or top 10 things people want in life but can't seem to get. And so the author, she conducted this survey in her sphere. It was about seven, 800 people that, or 800 people that answered. And she gave the top 10 comments. And I want to give you just three of the top answers that I think relate to what we are talking about here today. So she, what she did was she gave these answers and then the obstacle to getting that. So one of the questions, you know, I had asked, and social media was, what do you want more of in life? And then the second question was, what, what's stopping you? What's the obstacle? What's the challenge that's keeping that from happening? That was actually the funnier part to, to listen to and watch. It's like, you know, 
I need more time, and then what's the obstacle? My kids, or, you know, just uh, funny different answers about why we can't get the things that we want. So one of the top answers was, as you can imagine in the article, was happiness. Happiness, what do I want more of in life? I want more happiness. And the obstacle for that was not knowing what I want to do. That's what the challenge is. So I'm, I'm, I'm struggling being happy because I don't know what I want to do. Another one was, as you can imagine, money. What do I want more of in life? I want more money. And the obstacle there is not, not having the resources to do the things that I want to do. And then the, other, the last one that I wanted to highlight, because it relates so well to what we are talking about, was peace. Peace. What do I want more of? I want more peace. And what's the obstacle was lack of clarity about who I am and my purpose. Over and over and over again, this was one of the answers. I need more peace. I want peace. And what's stopping me from getting more peace is I don't know who I am and I don't know what I'm doing. It's fascinating. See, it's good for us to examine our lives. We need to do this from time to time, more than from time to time. We need to do this regularly. Look, ask ourselves questions like these because the answers that we give are going to reveal some things about us what we're hoping for, what we're trusting, and what we're looking to for answers. I mean, here we are. It is December 1st. It is the Christmas season is upon us. And, you know, it's beautiful sunny skies out there. We put, you know, snow on the screen so that it gives us a little bit of that Christmas feel. And doesn't the place look awesome? Man, we, our, our team just worked so hard this week. And if you see any of the staff members or uh, and they can lead you to volunteers who did help. But Sarah, Sarah Garcia, our worship director, really orchestrated a lot of this. And of course, Gerardo uh, did so much work. And, and Pam, and we, everybody just chipped in. It was really amazing. But here we are. We're, we're at the Christmas season, the end of a year. And not only the end of a year, the end of a decade. It's a, it's a big time, right? I mean, we're about to enter 2020. And as amazing as the season is, and it's so pretty, and, and there's so much joy and good things happening, we know that this is also time for stress. It is the most, one of the most, if not the most stressful seasons of all the year. I mean, studies have shown how and why this time of year literally can be hazardous to our health. Like, it causes physical problems within us. The sights and the sounds, I mean, it just gets overwhelming. We're just, like, if I hear a Christmas song one more time, like, I'm going I'm to scream, not me, but that's kind of how we get, right? By the end of the season, we've already heard it for the last two months. Uh, increased workload, not just at work because people are trying to scramble to get things done, but at home, right? We're, we're decorating, we're planning for visitors, we're spending money, we're hosting, we're cooking, cleaning, shopping. There's an increased expectation that everything is to be done well and just right. No, that's not how I do Christmas. Christmas needs to be this. And if I don't smell this or see this, then it's not really Christmas. And you need to, like, we have these expectations and we eat more and we drink more and all of it just adds up. And by the time December 26th rolls around, we're just done. There's a problem. <laughs> And the irony, the irony is 
Christmas is the celebration of God invading earth to do what? To bring peace. God invades earth to bring peace, and all we can do in this time is scramble. So I want to help as much as I can by pointing you to God's word and by helping us think through something that isn't just going to help us in this season, but it's going to help us as we get into the new year, because it's not only the Christmas time that things are crazy. So we are doing this series called Calm in the Chaos, Calm in the Chaos, helping us find peace in the midst of of a crazy time. And God has some things to say about this, because this kind of chaos that we experience is unique to us in some of the context, but chaos in general is not unique for this season. See, Jesus was born in the middle of chaos. He was. Let me give you a little bit of context and history before we jump into our text. See, in the few years of his, within a few years of his life, from the time he was conceived to the time he was born, and then a couple of years into his life, it was craziness, okay? Joseph and Mary, Parents, Mary, nine months pregnant, and all of a sudden there's this national emergency, okay? The, the emperor of basically the world, it was the Roman Empire, which had control over much of the world, Caesar Augustus, he declares that we're going we're gonna to register everyone, in the, and it says in the Bible, it says everyone in the world, and that's how big the empire was. And so what you had to do is you had to go to your hometown, and it didn't matter if you were really born there, it's where your family came from. And so Joseph and Mary were not from Nazareth, which is where they were living. They had to travel to Bethlehem, and everyone had to go to their hometown to register and to pay a tax, and so if they didn't go, there, there, there would be fear that they would get punished or there would be some problems there. So they have to travel nine months pregnant, 90 miles away to get to Bethlehem. 90 miles, nine months pregnant, on a donkey, up and down rocky terrain, dirty, hot, did I mention nine months pregnant? No Uber, no plane. It would take about four to seven days. Four to seven, not 47. Four to seven days. Because you could go, they would travel roughly about 20 miles a day. I mean, can you imagine? Nine months pregnant, going through all of this. So they have to travel, and then they get there. Mary goes into labor. Forget there's no hospitals. There's, there's no hotel room for them to stay in for her to have the baby. So what happens? They end up going into a, a barn, have the baby. They put the baby in the manger, which is a feeding vessel for animals. Baby's born, they get a couple of months rest, and then God tells Joseph they got to go because now the, the governor of that region, Herod, he is so freaked out by hearing that this, this baby is being born, this potential new king is coming, and that he's worried that this is going to affect his rulership, his status in the world, and so he freaks out, and so he tells, he sends out this law that all male children in Bethlehem are to be killed from zero to two years old. So 
A very real Holocaust is happening. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, now they are leaving Bethlehem and they're told to go to Egypt, which is another 40 miles away. And eventually, everything settles down a good couple years into his life and they, have to, they want to travel now all the way back to Nazareth, which was back 100 miles. So compared to what we're going through right now, first Christmas, the first two or three Christmases were crazy. It's chaos. We're not alone. And in the midst of all of that chaos, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, he's born and he's worshiped and celebrated. And it's the beginning of something so special that we get to celebrate. And so what do we learn from this? How can we find peace? How can we find calm in the chaos? That's what we're going to spend the next four Sundays plus Christmas Eve looking at. You see, we pick up from last week. See, our passage in Colossians is going to help us. See, last week we looked at gratitude and how gratitude is cultivated in us because of what God has done for us. And it changes everything, how we live with one another, how we're to, we're to bear with one another, how we're to forgive one another, how we're to live and love with one another. And so then Paul goes on to show us how connected thankfulness is to peace. So look at how verse 15 starts. This is verse 15. Paul says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Just keep that up there for a little bit. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Paul tells us peace needs to be a defining marker in our lives. And so right away, we're confronted with a problem, right? Because this, <laughs> this happens a lot in the Bible. We're in the midst of Christmas season, right? It's chaotic. We're spending, we're shopping, we're, we're cooking, we're trying to figure things out. Our to-do list is a mile long, and we're, we're freaking out, and then we get to the Bible, and someone's telling us to just calm down. And we know that in the history of humanity, no one has ever calmed down when someone has told you just to calm down, right? If someone comes to you, and you're freaking out, and they say, hey, would you just relax? <laughs> that, like, takes you up to the next level, right? Don't you tell me to relax, like... This is what we have, right? And we might be tempted to feel that way. Like, Paul, bro, (laughs) peace? I can't even get a full night's sleep. Forget about peace in my day, in my life. But here's the difference. See, Paul... He's not coming to us and saying, would you just calm down? He's, he's wanting us to connect to something bigger. He's wanting us to, to see that our lives are not just about our circumstances. Because he, he says this, he says, let not just peace come to you. He says, let the peace of Christ come in and change your life. He's saying, let the character of Christ calm your soul and let it be louder than the chaos that's surrounding you right now. Let it be louder than the circumstances that are pulling you and wanting you to freak out and not have peace and be anxious and sad and fearful and depressed. See, if all we're doing is trying to to look inside of us to find peace, to find that calm, it's going to be a long day. 
because there's not enough of that inside, at least of me, to look in and go, oh yeah, that, there's that little nook of peace that I've been holding on to, because it doesn't happen like that. If we're looking for our circumstances to change before peace comes, we're in trouble. Because we can't attach our peace to what's going on in the world around us. Because circumstances may not change. Or if they do change, there's going to just be something else. Something else will come up that will seek to rob you of joy and peace and calm. So the message of the Bible is this. The message of the Bible and the message of Christianity, if you want to follow Jesus, the message is we need something or someone bigger than our circumstances, bigger than the chaos to come and be our peace. We need outside intervention. And that's Jesus. And so he says, let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts. So our next question should be, well, how? How do I do that? How do I let, how do I let that happen? How do I cultivate that in my life to where no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what King Herod is doing or Caesar Augustus or my wife or my president or my, my boss or my kids, no matter what they are doing, I can find and cultivate peace in my life. So I want to I wanna just frame this around three questions. You're like, Adam, I need answers, not more questions. You're like, I got enough questions. Well, I understand that, but questions are so valuable and they point us to answers. They help us. And we're going to take these questions from where the text is pushing us. So the first question is, is what's filling my life? If you want peace, if you want calm in the chaos, if you want peace in the midst of all the craziness in your life, this question is absolutely essential. It is probably the most important question that you will have to answer because what does is, what is Paul say in verse 15? He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, he forces this question. He forces this question for all of us to say, what's coming in? What is happening within my heart, within my life? What am I allowing to come in and take up space? Because there's only so much space in this body, in this mind. What am I filling it with? The key to peace is being saturated in the word of Christ. So the question is, is Christ's word dwelling in you? Is it dwelling in me or is it something else? Because we, we have to ask, ourself, ask ourselves this. What, what's coming in? What's filling my life? It, it, this is not just... Spiritually, I mean, this would be a diagnostic question for all kinds of things in life, right? If you're, if you're wanting to be healthy, the first question you have to ask yourself and what any good physician or helper would be is, well, what are you eating? What's the fuel going in? 
You're like, oh, I'm tired all day. I don't have the energy. Things are just not going right. I don't understand. And like, okay, well, tell me, what's, what's your diet look like? Well, it's McDonald's for breakfast, Burger King for lunch, and, you know, we're going healthy for dinner, Chick-fil-A, <clears throat> except on Sundays. If you're wanting better performance in life, in, in your physical body, in, in exercise, you, you, you have to look at the fuel that's coming in. If you don't, if, if that doesn't, isn't taken care of first, what comes out will only be a product of what's going in. And that is the principle in our lives. So what comes into our heads, what we're feeding our eyes and our minds with will be it will absolutely shape what comes out, and what, not only what comes out, but what you think, what you feel, what you believe. Is the word of Christ fueling you? Is it what is, is saturating your life, or is it other things? Are you just fixed on the words of other people, on how you perceive other families are doing, how you perceive the success of this person is influencing their life and why you're not measuring up or what you look like or whatever. What, what are those things that you're listening to most? Because what, the question that we should ask ourselves is, okay, the word of Christ dwelling in us richly, what is the word of Christ? Simply, Put. I mean, it's all of Scripture. That would be the word of Christ. But if we want to narrow it down, it is the message of the gospel. The gospel is the message, is the word of Christ. And if you're saying, well, I don't, I don't know what that is. Well, that, that's an important part of this because if we don't have a proper understanding of the gospel, everything else will suffer around us. So we have to make sure it's the right gospel that we understand. We have to make sure it's the right gospel that's richly dwelling in us. Because if you ask 10 people, what, what, what's the gospel mean to you? They might give you 10 different answers. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible is very clear. There's not 10 different answers. There is one understanding of what the gospel is. And this is what it is. It's the, you can frame it in terms of bad news and good news. See, the bad news is that as humans, we have, we have sinned against a holy and perfect God. And that holy and perfect God has to deal with that sin. And so if we have messed up that relationship, God has to deal with that. That's bad news. You don't want God having to deal with, with our sin directly upon us. So bad news. But then the good news is that, well, God made a way for that to be re rectified. And so he sends his son, Jesus, to live the perfect life. It's what we talked about at the beginning during the Advent celebration. Jesus comes, he lives a perfect life, and then he pays the penalty of our sin. He took the punishment. He took the blame. He paid the bill. He did it all. And so now if we believe and put our faith in Christ, God is faithful to forgive us 
and then he restores that relationship. See, that's the good news, man. That's the gospel. Everything else is, is additional to that. That's the foundation. So that's the word of Christ. When he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, that's what you want, dwelling in you. Because when that's in you and you understand that fundamental truth, it changes your life. Is that what's filling your life? Or are you letting other words dwell in you richly? Are you letting discouragement dwell in you richly? See, that's anti-gospel. Are you letting fear? Are you letting abuse? Are you letting the need for performance or approval? Are you trying to find value in other areas? See, because all of those things are going to, at some level, promise you a measure of peace. If I just do this, it will. If I only had more of this, it will. That is false gospel, and you'll never find peace in that. But when we see, man, my identity is wrapped up in who God has made me, and I, I, I live based on who he says I am, now it's a whole different story, and I don't have to worry about what you say about me or what, what, how much money is in my bank account, how I look in the mirror. Those things are not unimportant, but they are not defining my life. And so the word of Christ brings peace and calm. And I'm going to say this, it, it takes work. The work's been done. We're, we already have been justified, right? That's, that's been done by God. God has done that. Christ has saved us. But now as we try to live in that and walk in that, man, we have to fight. Every day is a fight, right? I mean, we're, we're in it. December 1st right here. How many of you were going out of your mind Friday, trying to buy your Christmas gifts, get the best deals on the planet, figure out how to not kill the person next to you who's cutting in line and the drive. I mean, it, it was, it's bananas out there. And so in those moments, we have to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts because it is not easy. It, the easy thing to do is to lose your mind on the person who has just angered you and lean on that horn for a few extra minutes. That's what I like to do. Look, we don't naturally dwell in Christ's word. It's not where our hearts want to go. Our hearts want to go to things that make us feel different. I liken it to eating, to taking vitamins. When you, no one likes taking vitamins. They're not... They don't, they don't always taste well. They're hard to swallow sometimes. And if you do it right, you need a lot of them. But when you take them, it doesn't, it doesn't make you feel better immediately. It doesn't relieve symptoms. When you start doing that, when you're actually taking care of yourself, it, it takes time and your body starts building up strength and foundation so that you can stand and be healthy when sickness and disease come. That's the same with the word of Christ. The word of Christ, when we soak in it, when we let it dwell in us, it builds and it strengthens us. It's not always in that moment you, you read God's word or you, you, you soak yourself in, in the word of Christ and all of a sudden everything is better. But what it does is it feeds you and it strengthens you. We need constant reminding of this so that the word of Christ can dwell in us. It will shape everything. It will shape your home, your family, your work, your views on, on justice, your views on politics, how you give advice. 
And it will absolutely impact the way your relationships look. Because that's the second question. Not only what am I filling my life with, but what's defining my relationships? Right? So the word of Christ dwells in us richly. And now, what's that going to do? It's going to shape in how I live with you and how you live with one another. And as you sit in your seats with people left, right, front, back, as you drive around and, and the thousands and thousands of cars that drive by here and that you encounter every single day, how, is your, how are your relationships being defined? Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule. This is interesting because it's not just individually You're like, all right, all I care about is my own inner peace. Well, that's not really the whole thrust of this. The thrust of it is actually that word peace has the context of harmony. You can't do harmony by yourself. You can only do melody by yourself. It's a little music lesson, okay? You need at least two people to do harmony. Harmony means that as as one moves, the other moves along with it. As one goes down, the other moves in a position that makes it sound beautiful together We had that happening up here today. One person sings a note, the other person sings a note that's right there. Now, if one person all of a sudden just wanted to go and do their own thing and say, ah, I don't need you, Sarah. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to sing my own harmony. It's no longer harmony. It's terrible. It's distracting. It's not peace. See, what is defining my relationships? We want peace to be a defining marker, not just of what's going on inside of us, but how we live with one another. See, this is what Paul says. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then what? Teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There is this community element. If we are struggling with peace, one area that we can test is not just what's coming in, but also what is defining. What do my relationships look like? See, this takes work, man, because look, we want our life to exist and we want other people to bend around our desires and our needs and our movements. But the the Bible pushes us to say, look, this is about you all moving together. See, we right here, we are, we're a community, we're church. We don't all know each other super well. New people are constantly coming in, but this is, this is part of that community. And then we have little sub-communities within that, and we want to build that and cultivate that. And that is exactly what God wants for us, to, to cultivate peace, to live with one another. And as we move, we move together. You ever notice birds that fly, and, and you just you see them in this amazing pattern flying through the air? It's, it's incredible. They're, they're working together, moving. It's, it's, it's a symbol of peace. Problems come when we each want to do our own thing and we each want our own way. And we say, no, 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 I want you to be in harmony with me. And this person says, no, I want you to be in harmony with me. And we each decide we're going we're gonna to do our thing. And if you don't bend to my will, then I'm, I'm still going to go do my thing. To live like this, to let the peace of Christ rule in us, In our relationships, it takes a constant attention on the movement of other people. And it requires a removal of eyes on ourself. And I know, I don't like it any more than you do. 
Because it's hard. But it's what God wants from us. This is what will bring life. It's a commitment to humility, to not focus on the good of me, but on the good of us, of we. So does peace define your relationships? Does peace define your relationships? How would other people answer that for you? And I'm going to add a little piece to this. This isn't just about the absence of conflict or avoiding conflict. This is actively pursuing peace in your life. Because it's one thing to just withdraw, sit at home, turn on the TV. You can watch church there. You can order Uber Eats. They'll bring you food. You, you, you literally could go quite a while without ever having to interact with anyone. That would be an avoiding of conflict. You're like, oh, there's peace in my life. That's not peace. That's isolation, and that is not the peace of Christ. The peace of Christ demands us to be in context with one another, and it's hard. It's sticky because we're different. We like different things. We want different things, but this is what God calls us to. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. But when this happens, so when we are agents of peace, wherever we go, this, this peace will rule in our hearts and it will transform the way that we live with one another. Look what it says. It says we're going to sing songs together. We're going to sing hymns and songs and spiritual songs. We're teaching one another. We're admonishing one another. There's this give and take relationship that happens where we are, where we are engaging in life and there's this, there's this feedback, this back and forth where, oh man, let me, let me tell you what's going on in my life. And you're like, oh, that's so great. Let me tell you what's going on in my life. That's encouraging one another. And then there's this admonishing, which is, hey, let me, let me tell you something. I think what you're doing is dangerous and it's going to hurt you. I love you so much that I don't want you to, to do that. And so I'm going to help you. That's what admonishing is. It's, it's, it's this, I've got your back. And I know we don't like being told what we're doing wrong, but see, when the peace of Christ is the center and when it's happening, it works. And we can, we can live in this and say, man, I love you so much. I don't, I don't want you doing that because we're going to get out of harmony and it's going to sound bad. You're about to hit a bad note and I want to protect you from that. We do this with our kids all the time. I mean, this is, this is what parenting is. It's like... Drag, like snatching our kids before they, they run into the street in the middle of traffic. Why? Because we just want to control them? We're just trying to have our way? No, because we love them. And I want, want to save your life from doing something that's devastating. When peace rules our relationships, we can do this. And we don't have to be offended because why? The word of Christ has dwelt in us. And we know that I'm, my life is not perfect. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm not living perfection. So when I'm doing something wrong, I need other people to help me so that I can honor God with my life. And it's not about me failing. It's about me getting better and honoring God with everything that's in me. And that is how we need to see this kind of relationship. So let me just close with this. What's keeping you from peace? What is keeping you 
from the peace that we're talking about? What is God highlighting in your life right now that's blocking peace in your life? And don't just say, oh, it's just the season. No, there's always more going on. It always reverts back to we are trusting in something deeper than Christ's word. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe you're filling your life with just too much of the wrong stuff. That you spend more time on Facebook than in God's word. That you're soaking in the lives of other people rather than in the life of Christ. Maybe you have unhealthy relationships. Maybe your relationships, when I ask you what defines your relationships, you could say, yeah, what defines my relationships is hostility, judgment, abuse, neglect, hatred, Do you remember what that article said about those who, who lack peace, what their biggest obstacle was? It was answering those two questions. Who am I and what's my purpose? When we don't know the answer to those questions, we will try to fill that answer with everywhere, from everywhere other than what God says. And so our challenge to you, my challenge to you is let God define who you are. You are a child of the Father. And he has given you purpose. Your purpose is to love him and to honor him. Look what Paul says at the end. He says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord. We're constantly trying to find calm in the wrong places, in money, in work, family, success. And, the, and peace may come for a minute in those times, but it will not last. We need to set our hope in something deeper and fuller than those things. Our foundation is built on this. We are children of God. And whatever we do, we're to bring honor to his name. And so understanding who we are and what our purpose is will shape how we live in every area of life. I just want to close with this from that article. This is what she says. This is what the author says. And this, this person is not a Christian. She doesn't have the same faith system she says, attaining peace is a practice that we need to cultivate and commit to. Peace today will never just fall in our laps. It's too chaotic a world. We have to carve out space within ourselves and in our lives to bring forward the experience of peace, then do the work to expand peace as a feeling and experience that we'll commit to daily, regardless of what's around us. You don't have to know your purpose to be at peace. You just have to commit to being at peace and building daily practices that will support you in that commitment. Keep that up there because this is where it all falls apart, okay? Everything she said up to that point was pretty good. <laughs> peace isn't just gonna fall in our laps. It's not just gonna happen. We need to cultivate that in our lives. But I'm gonna tell you this. You need to know your purpose on this earth in order to truly find peace. Everything else will be fake. Everything else will, will flee away from you at the moment the chaos returns. We want to be rooted in something deeper, and that is the word of Christ. We need to know our purpose. We need to know our creator, that he has a purpose for us. Your purpose is defined by him, and he will bring calm into your life as you submit your life to him. Church, we're gonna stand.
We're going to sing. We're going to reprise this here, here comes heaven. This is what God came to do, to invade earth, to bring peace. And I would ask you during this time to, to close your eyes and to seek God in this, in this moment and ask him, God, what is keeping me from peace? You probably already know some of the things. Go to him with those and say, God, take it. Help me. Forgive me. My job isn't going to do it. As much as I love my family, they're not going to be my source of peace. I need you, God. Help me to have all of this in the proper perspective, and God will meet you. And if you have never, if you have never trusted in Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, if you have never put your hope in him, the invitation is there for you this morning to trust him, to take that step and say, God, I, I need you. I believe you. I'm putting my hope in you. He is ready to receive you. That's the good news. Don't wait. Put your hope in Christ now. Let's sing.